Welcome everyone to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we find out why we're unworthy, prepare the DCU for a whole lot of Batman, read more Wildstorm, and catch up with the American gods. Stay tuned for all this and more. Welcome all you lovely people to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! Just when you thought you were free, that's apparently still a thing we're doing. I'm David, <laughs> that's Nick, you're you, and we're all here together to experience this thing we call life and heck yeah comics. It's a beautiful thing, David. It is. Hmm? You know what's not a beautiful thing, though? Um, you? Sorry, I couldn't help myself. What's yeah, not a beautiful no, thing? That's, I should have seen that one coming from a mile away. What's not a beautiful thing is... The way that Sony is handling the fact that I need to change my password to sign into PlayStation Network. And this is particularly frustrating because I have I have backed Sony through it all. Through all the years. I've been loyal since the early PlayStation days. And this evening, I log on to to my PS4, ready to watch some Netflix. When it's like, hey, you need to sign into the PlayStation Network. I'm like, yeah. All right, hit the button. Let's do that. Sign me into that PlayStation network that I'm paying money to access and play video games across uh, every year. And it's like, man, we really like to do that, but you need to reset your password. I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. I haven't changed it in a while, so I'm gonna hit that little go ahead and uh, and send me, um, you know, send me the the, the the password change in email. And they're like, cool, it's on its way. So then I'm sitting there and I'm checking. I'm not seeing any email because we live in a society where when you send that whole, hey, I want to change my password email, it usually comes within like a minute. Sometimes it can take up to five. So I'm being patient. I'm letting things happen. Well, I'm not getting this email. So I go onto their website and I'm like, hey, send me that password change in email because I'm thinking I can just log in and do it there. No, they're like, hey, you got to do it through the email thing. I'm like, cool, send me that email. And they're like, all right. Email's on its way. It can take up to 24 hours for your password-changing email to arrive. Which just doesn't make it any does, sense. We, Se- we, several minutes, yes. Like, we at, at my work, where we have to reset passwords and stuff, maybe it's similar to yours, like, it could take, I think, we usually say up to, like, 20 minutes if you don't get it. But 20 minutes versus 24 hours, that means that there's someone, <laughs> I'm being facetious, but there's someone at Sony that's just like, oh, password reset came in. And just like they're going down a queue, and they're just expecting to be busy as they as they shoot those things up. Because if it's all automated, why the hell would it take twenty four well, hours? In in the business that I work in, we do manually resend email passwords. So it's a small company. I don't know why that's not something we haven't automated yet. Um, but anyway, when we like when we resend them, it usually like and this is a a small team of people doing it. Like you're gonna get it probably within at most 20 minutes of when you sent it, you know, kind of like what you were saying. Uh, 
and this is like Sony. This is a corporation that's got lots of people working. It's probably on an automated system. It doesn't make sense why it would take an hour. It or not an hour, 24 hours. It's like, like, but just I'm just I'm so baffled, baffled by this because I I can't use the device at all without a network connection. It's useless. I mean, I'm sure there's you know first person player like first person uh, single player games you can play. You can't go on and do the things that you should be able to do. I mostly use my console for Overwatch right now, and that's not an option with this, especially on a day when a new character has arrived. And graced us all. Have you had a chance yet to play with uh, with Orisa? I have not, mostly because Final Fantasy XIV has been taking up most of my time. Um, but I will probably get on there this weekend to check her out. Yeah. As a gender, right? It's considered a her. I think, yeah. I mean, it speaks with a feminine voice as well. If we refer to Bastion as a him, it's... That's true. And, That's true. And Zenyatta is a he... At least referred to, yeah. I hopped on and I immediately hopped into like the uh, the no limits six v six matches, mm-hmm. uh, no character limits, because I knew everybody in there was going to be Orisa. And spoiler alert, everybody in there was Orisa. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I don't think I got a really good flavor for the character because I saw how they how she stacks up versus herself really well. Uh, but I, I'll be curious to try and get a play in. Uh, in a setting where there's different characters and see how it works. But it's, yeah. it's very, very interesting. Some of the new mechanics are really interesting. Uh, like she has this thing where she like launches this like, uh, energy ball and it, uh, wherever it lands, it like sucks up the enemies around it. So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't. I don't know. I don't think it does like a ton of damage, but it kind of like pulls you off where you are, were, and it's a little disorienting. So it's, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, but man, I've been rambling for a while here. Yeah, no, it sounds like you have a lot on your mind. That being said, while you were talking, because I'm like half listening to you, I also That's looked fine. up password resets for PlayStation, and it doesn't say anything about 24 hours. Did you like say? Did you like try to log in? Well, uh, well, it's so. I think maybe it's because it's making me change my password. But that, well, that, yeah, that makes did, even did it give you any reason for why it's changing it? Why it needs you to change it? Uh, no, I mean maybe because it's it's an old password and I've been using it for I I don't know how whenever it last it had me reset, which was probably a year ago. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's just it's it's bonkers. We live in a society, and I realize that this is a a super first world problem, but it's also like something like it's an inconvenience that we should have done away with at this point. Yeah, like one of those diseases that we've cured. Yeah. Mumps. Mumps. Yeah. Mumps. Like talking to Nick disease. Well, you're the one suffering from that right now. Yeah, it's terminal. Four people think that we... It's terminal. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Before David and I murder each other over the airwaves... Or whatever is causing us to be able to talk to each other. Technology. Internet waves. Um, internet, internet waves. <laughs> the internet is a series of waves. No, we're, we're not supposed to be that old that we can't, we don't understand how it all works. I always surprise myself sometimes when I'm at work and I'm like explaining things to customers. And I'm like, I know that what I said was correct, but I don't really know what I'm saying. Oh, Oh, so many times, especially like in my old job where I worked a lot with like SEO 
uh and just like search engines in general like i was like saying stuff like oh yeah it's crawling the pages and i'm like i i don't know how it does that i assume magic <laughs> uh, yeah anyway why don't we jump anyway, into let's, some... let's get on some news let's talk about some news before we Our lose people story today <laughs> after a disappointing summer humpty dumpty has a great fall yes i don't want to lose my friends from pittsburgh who i told i would give a, a little shout out to tonight uh, but our first story is a little bit sad, and that is that Bernie Wrightson has passed. Uh, for those who do not know who Bernie Wrightson is, uh, he was a, a, an incredible illustrator, m- mostly known for his work on uh, Swamp Thing when that first uh, emerged on the scene. But he's done a lot of really great work over the years, and I know people really loved uh, his Frankenstein, which I've been very keen to check out since I discovered its existence. The which one? Sir Frankenstein? Frankenstein, yeah. Oh, okay. Have you not? Have you seen some of the images from it? Uh, not recently. Not. I mean, I, ch- I obviously I read the article when when I saw that he had passed. So I know like he was big on Swamp Thing, House of Secrets, on uh, mm-hmm. like some other Vertigo work, but. Uh, I'm familiar with his work, but other than like the handful of probably Swamp Thing issues I read, like I I didn't follow him closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it, it, he's just a he was a very talented guy. His blacks are incredible. Um, and this this link that I put up uh, is really interesting. It's it's a bunch of different creators and companies kind of sharing words about him, and I just I think it's really funny because like DC turned out a few paragraphs um, about him. And then Marvel had like one little, like a one line statement, which, you know, it was still it like came from their Twitter. Yeah. Which I, I don't know. It was just kind of funny to me, um, but I was just reading through one and it was, uh, it's really interesting. It's Greg Capullo, who we've talked a lot about, um, who says, uh, I was laying in bed alone at the time away from my wife's eyes. And I cried. It made sound silly that I cried, but I felt as if a part of me died a little, uh, I mean, someone like Bernie, a master, a man whose work influenced or inspired so many in my field, it was so very, very sad. This is one of the things that I love so much like about comic books and the comics community. And there's just so many, I mean, there's so many people, J.G. Jones, Jeff Parker, Neil Adams, Howard Porter, so many people shared words about his passing uh, and just how influential he was in, in his art. And I mean, I didn't, you know, I probably have not really read any stuff with Bernie Wrights in art, but I definitely felt the loss. Mm-hmm. No, he's 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 definitely one of those names that, and I mean, unfortunately, I feel like we're you know we're at that point where a lot of living legends are fortunately becoming just legends mm-hmm. um, now. Mm-hmm. That a lot of people that really from the you know the '60s and and '70s and '80s and and all that like they're 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 getting up there and. You know, his loss is definitely, I don't know how active he was in his, in his later years. Um, but, you know, obviously he, he touched the industry in a hard to measure way. But, I mean, clearly his, you know, his efforts were there. So it's definitely a big loss. Yeah, for sure. What else is going on, Nick? Well, uh, sorry, I thought you might say something else. Um, uh, we also learn um, what made Thor. So I guess changing tracks here a bit from a loss of a legend to the loss of 
That almost seems bad. Transition. <laughs> Dude, why would you do from that? Of a, why from would a, you do from that? a wonderful human being to a fictional god losing his oh, hammer. Oh, this this was this was bad. I should <laughs> oh, not have allowed gosh. you to introduce yeah, this I'm new a, story. I'm not the transition guy, David. Um, anyway, the story's probably not going to get much better for people that have been curious for the last three or four years exactly what it was that made Thor unworthy. But here are the words. Gore was right. <gasps> Dave, do you have any idea what that means? Uh, I had absolutely no idea, so I had to look up what that meant. It, yeah. yeah. So I have not been reading... I, I've mostly been catching up through Marvel Unlimited when I remind myself that I actually still pay for that service. Um, that uh, I've been reading, haven't been reading as much of the current Jason Aaron Thor work either with Unworthy Thor, um, which I don't think he's even on there yet, or the Mighty Thor with Jane Foster Thor. Um, I also just love how like angry people get when it's just like Thor's not a title, it's his name. <laughs> and it's like, dude, there are just way more important things to worry about, like PlayStation reset passwords. Oh, like, that's seriously. the biggest thing plaguing our. I can't even. It's, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's whatever. Everyone's entitled to their opinions. But uh, anyway, so Gore. Um, when Jason Aaron launched his Thor run back with. I think it was just called Thor God of Thunder now that I think about it. Um, he had this long arc, longish arc about Thor versus this guy named Gore, the God Butcher. And the whole idea was that Gore was like, you know, wh- wh- you know, why are, why do we have gods? Why do we allow, like, why do we worship them when they don't do anything for us? Things like that. And obviously it kind of, it was a, he was a basically turned into a deranged serial killer and his specialty was killing gods. So a lot of it was about, and also like, he did this really interesting thing where he was telling three three different stories about three different Thors at, at different points in his life, from young Thor to current Thor to old Thor, um, and how each you know how he like had met Gore early on in his history, you know, revisiting him again, the present, and of course the final confrontation, um, and, you know, and as a, as an old man or old god. Um, and there was like, he had like an altercation with Gore when he was a, a young God where, um, I mean, things definitely didn't go well for Thor. Like it was definitely scarring even for a God to go through. So a big, you know, a big sort of macro level of the story was that was sowing doubt in Thor about the usefulness of gods and, and, and why we worship them and all these things and that, you know, Gore must be wrong. So obviously the, the, the twist of the knife from Nick Fury in Original Sin was that Gore was right. And apparently what that did was that sort of caused Thor, again, to feel the doubt of someone that would not be worthy of wielding the hammer. Again, I haven't read the issue. We really are just going off the article. So I would say we're offering somewhat limited, you know, um, what am I trying to say? Speculation or whatever perspective. Right, right. It, it, could, perspective. It, it could be very impactful in the issue. I would say for someone like me that has read a lot of his Thor work, even though I'm not caught up on much more of the recent stuff, at least how the how it comes from the Gore storyline, I think in a way makes sense. I think what will ultimately with the way these things usually go will disappoint people is that it took four, three or four years for us to learn that Gore was right. And that he, you know, cause it's just when you let, 
this go on for so long, even if it's not really that important why he said it, because you 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 dangle this as a mystery in front of us, you're expecting it like, what the heck could this guy have done that would have made him unworthy? You know, and it was that in that moment he felt doubt and continued to feel doubt. And it was so overwhelming that he could not wield Molnir or Mew Mew, what they said in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, haven't read the comic. Um, not sure how like it you know falls through. Uh, I know that a big plot in Unworthy Thor was that he was trying to get the hammer of Ultimate Thor from the Ultimate Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if he was that he was unworthy to wield that hammer as well, or if he's rediscovered his worthiness and he's now taking. The ultimate Thor hammer. Uh, he is. Uh, he is in fact not. If you are, I mean, so slight spoilers uh, here. Obviously, for Unworthy Thor number five, uh, he finds, uh, he finds the hammer and he feels the power coursing through it, but decides not to pick it up. Instead, he vows to guard it from anyone who comes to claim it. Interesting. I'll have to have to pick it up. Um. But yeah, so if you were curious, that's what he said. Gore was right, which I can't help because I over in the X-Men and I know that Jason Aaron was a big fan of Grant Morrison's X-Men run, new X-Men uh, run. So good. Um, was the Magneto was right. And I know even more recently there was the Cyclops was right. Um, <laughs> was he though? Yes, Cyclops will always be right in my heart. Um, but I can't help but feel like Gore was right was him sort of playing with that. Even if it wasn't the, quite the same circumstances where that was more about like a pop culture slogan. Um, but anyway, so yeah, there you have it. Gore was right. You're all wrong. Long live Gore. And next news story, David. <laughs> uh, hey, man, I get to share some thoughts on this Gore nonsense. Oh, sure. Hey, go right ahead. Uh, so yeah, we, you know, we always, we, we speculated a lot here, often jokingly about what was it that Nick Fury said that could possibly make Thor unworthy? Um, and it was very difficult, I think, to, uh, you, you know, it's it's it sucks to have something be building up for, like, two years at this point. Uh, I'm not reading the Thor book, so, again, I don't know exactly how that all landed. But I will say it could have been a much worse reason or much worse thing that was said. I don't know. I feel like all this time this is something that Thor would have wrestled with at some point. Um, but I mean, even if they did, you know, you can't expect everyone to have read every Thor comic. So if it feels fresh and original to someone, very cool. I'm not going to really speculate on whether or not it's awesome and working because I'm not reading the book, but if you are and you think it is, or you think it isn't, please write into us, heckyeckcomics at gmail.com. We really want to hear what you think. Our next news story is that Legion the uh, hit show over on FX is getting a second season. Uh, I, unfortunately, am not watching Legion at this point. I heard some people um, on a podcast I really like, Pop Culture Happy Hour, talking about it, and they said that they thought it's a really great show, but it really benefits from kind of watching in big chunks. So I've actually been waiting for it to end, and... um, I actually usually don't advocate binging unless it's like a Netflix show because those were just kind of how that's all made. But I do plan on binging Legion. Nick, uh, your thoughts? Have you caught any of it? Are you interested in there being a second season? 
I started with the, um, I did start watching the first episode somewhat late at night, one night, shortly, like, probably within the first week that it had come out. And I was intrigued by what I was watching, but I guess I was tired to the point that it wasn't enough to, like, keep me up on my, you know, keep me awake. Um, so I fell asleep and then never got back to it. I don't know what I was expecting. I'm familiar with the character Legion. I read one of his more recent solo books and that book wasn't called Legion. I think it was X-Men Legacy, um, with Cy Spurrier. Um, and, uh, it was, it was very good. So obviously he's a character that lends himself to some psychedelic interpretations. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like I didn't get far enough. I feel like the part I was at in the first episode was kind of hinting at that everything I had seen up until that point was not as not as how it seemed. Um, you know, but how much deeper the show gets into it, I, I don't know yet. It's, it is definitely a show that I want to give a fair shake. Um, but like you, I mean, there's so, again, first world problems. There's so many shows that, you know, I've already fallen behind on um, mm-hmm. that I'm just like, you know, oh gosh, now, now here's another one. But I mean, it seems like the production value is really good and everyone's giving it their all and that they're doing great things with it. So, you know, people uh, reach out to us, let us know what do you think about Legion. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, give us your thoughts. Yeah, it seems to be uh, one review that I, I'd heard of it that actually also kind of made me wait a little bit till I heard some more uh, was saying how they felt like the show thought it was being clever for using superheroes as a way to talk about mental illness, mm-hmm. um, which for those of us who have been in the genre for as long as you and I have, that's not anything new and actually is a little bit old hat. Uh, but if, you know, I can't think too much of times that that's really been the case on say a TV show. Uh, so it, it Everyone that I know who's watched it have been really, really big fans. Um, and even like friends who I know who don't read comics have been like, have asked me, like, oh man, have you, like, you've watched Legion, right? To which I say no, because I don't have a way to do it. And they're like, they, they like look at me like they thought this was going to be my number one show of the year. Uh, so hopefully by the time I get around to it, it's not too built up, you know? Mm-hmm. As tends to happen with some stuff. With these, I hear what you're saying, but in the meantime, and I also read that with with the second season of Legion, it's actually going to be coming later on. Uh, it's not mm. going to be like within the next season cycle. Like they're going to give it some breathing room. Yeah, I just um, saw 2018 on the article, so I didn't I didn't see if there. I don't think there was a date yet. Yeah, obviously. So, which is also Westworld season two is not coming back until 2018. Which is sad, but at the end of the day, like there's plenty of things that occupy our attention. It'll, you know, assuming that we live long enough to see it, it uh, will eventually come out. Right, 2018 should be about when I get my email from Sony to reset my password. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, we can all look forward to the next big DC slash Batman event. <laughs> it looks like. Yeah, shocker that Batman's taking a focal point to it, but this is actually a Scott, a DC line-wide um, event, you know, and I guess in the vein of, like, the Crisis types events, you know, Marvel Secret Wars, yada, yada, but anyway, but it's all coming out of the Batman world, specifically Scott Snyder, who's been helming Batman comics for 
years now since mm-hmm. I mean since before the start of the New Fifty Two, so pre two thousand eleven. Well, he was doing um, detective comics at that time, right? He was doing detective comics. He did a Dick Grayson run on detective comics, and then jumped into the New Fifty Two and did that for fifty one issues. And mm-hmm. then, of course, he's been doing uh, all uh, All Star Batman. Um, so. Anyway, so based on what we know so far, I don't think we even have a name for the event yet, though I've heard some rumors that it was going to be called Metal. And okay, These are strictly rumors. Something about Metal and something that might have to do with Nymph Metal, the stuff that Hawkman has well, in his it, armor. Right, and I think the reason for that is because these upcoming books uh, that are preceding it are called Dark Days The Forge and Dark Days The Casting. Which promised to reveal the dark underbelly of the DC Universe before heading into a new limewide event series. So something about the underworld or underbelly, underworld, whatever, you know, of the DC universe. So it's almost like it sounds like we're getting a cosmic Batman story, which is huh. interesting. It's, it's the vibe I'm getting from it. Um, let's see. Does it say anything about, well, it, it doesn't, it seems like this is more of a big Batman circuit event that won't necessarily tie in with like the ongoing Watchmen stuff. I feel like that's going to come later. Um, but this is, I think this is more about something that's born out of ideas that Scott Snyder already had preceding the Watchmen story. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those who have not seen the image that was released with this announcement, it is uh, Jim Lee art and it is a, a Batman sort of in a ruined city, probably Gotham, looking up at a giant metal statue of a Batman-like figure. It doesn't. I mean, it, it seems like it's supposed to be Batman, but there's parts of the costume. It looks like Owlman. Or Owlman's the, from the evil universe. Right, so but yeah. he, has, he, has the, he has the Batman symbol on his chest, and he's flanked by robots that have bat symbols yeah. on their faces. And uh, there's, like, people tied to the statue. So this, it's a very intriguing image. It kind of uh, invokes some of, like, the zero-year imagery, but a little darker not mm-hmm. not quite as colorful as the palette they saw there. Uh, it's it's exciting to get Scott Snyder, you know, back on this stuff, and he's this is going to lead up to stuff he's been working with with Greg Capullo after they had their little break while Capullo ran off and did Reborn. Uh, it's it's gonna be crazy. I think that's pretty much like the only way to really say it at this point. It's it's gonna be crazy. It's going to be crazy. For example, he says, Dark Days posits a mystery that traces all the way back to when I started on Batman. I've hinted at them over the years with Easter eggs and clues. I won't, but kind of makes me want to go back and try and see if I can find them. I've never been a big, like, like sometimes I'll guess, like, oh, that's going to happen in that show. Like, that person's going to die or that person's going to betray someone. And I'm right. But in general, like, it's not that I'm not, like, critical thinking or critically thinking about these things. But, like, usually I'm just, like, watching a show and just along for the ride. And then, like, a twist happened. And, like, it was, and I'll read articles, like, oh, like, I saw that coming. Or, like, it all all these little clues make sense. And I'm like, oh, I was just watching. Like, I was totally just chilling. So I'm, I'm not usually an Easter egg guy unless it's super blatant. Right. Well, um, I, but anyway, I, he says it. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say real quick. I kind of on that point, I've been re-listening to this podcast called Hello from the Magic Tavern, which I've recommended on this show before. Um. And, uh, and they, you know, it's all improvised, but the world building in that show is so great that there's like stuff that they, like people offhandedly mention in episodes that will get brought back up 
you know, it's just past issue episode 100 at this point. And so it get brought back up, you know, dozens of episodes later and just mentioned very casually, like people who work on this show and who guest on this show work really hard on keeping this world consistent. And it's really impressive. Yep. And that's something that David and I, which we're just not very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, big event, big revelations. If you like Batman, DC, or Scott Snyder, um, you will probably like this. Well, and here's here's what's got me really excited about it, is that in an interview that Scott Snyder did with Comic Book Resources, um, he was asked kind of what to expect from this event. And he said, I want to build it out of the stories happening now and creating new material and giving everybody a place to tell stories that fit uh, that they're doing on their books and feels really modern and different and above all fun. I don't want it to be grim. I don't want it to be superheroes argue over arguing over something. Superheroes won't be fighting superheroes. I want it to be celebratory and huge and crazy. I'm going for out of control dinosaurs and lasers. This is so great for me to hear because superheroes arguing and superheroes fighting each other i'm over it i'm bored with it that's one of my major problems with marvel's endless event cycle that's all they seem to have up their sleeve is who's going to fight each other now who's going to argue with each other over something now and to to have be like hey we're going to do a big event but uh it's not going to be superheroes yelling at each other and then punching each other it's going to be something bigger great you like i'm in i'm sold you know outside of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo and all that, I am 100% sold. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think that's about going to do it for our news here today. Nick, do you have anything else you want to say before we transition into our reviews this week? I do not. Well, in that case, let's go ahead and jump into some reviews. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Nick, you read Wildstorm number two. Why don't you tell us about it? Sure thing, David. I won't, you know, it's uh, basically the, the conceit of the plot, and I, I did talk about the first issue on this show, and I, I definitely enjoyed it. This issue, as you would expect, um, carries on a lot of the plot threads. It, it basically it moves the plot needle a bit in this one. I'll say that the book is decompressed, so if you're looking for a ton of content at one, content at once you're really looking at more of a book that's padding itself out in a way that's still entertaining like i wouldn't say it's a a negative towards the book um but it just moves the needle slightly and kind of catches up with a lot of the characters that they already introduced as well as introducing a couple more and it's probably a smart decision on you know ellis and john davis's hunt's part in the sense that like he's obviously recreating a universe you could throw a lot at people at once just to get things established, but it's probably better that he's that he's again. I mean, we're talking about two issues raw. I know he could flip flop on the next issue, but it, it to me, I get the vibe that like you know he's there's a lot of Easter eggs, so to speak. Like oh, this name a name drop of this organization or or this character name or well, there was one of the issue and I don't have it right in front of me. Um, Oh, oh, Majestic. There's a character from the old Wildstorm that is called Majestic, who is basically like their Superman. I forget what his alien race is. And he also like went over to the DC Universe for 10 seconds and then came back. But anyway, they they 
called something majestic level, a majestic level something or other in the comic, which again shows that at some point we'll probably be introduced to majestic in some shape or form. Um, but it's just it's little things like that. Like if you're familiar with any Wildstorm term- terminology or mythology, he's clearly seeding it slowly but surely. And don't call me Shirley. Um, uh. But but kind of focus in on it for a second. It's basically everyone wants Angela Spica. Angela Spica is the engineer that you might be familiar with from the Authority days. Uh, in this book, she still has sort of her biomechanical suit that envelopes her body. In the first issue, she's kind of the inciting incident for the whole thing. So as far as we can tell, there's been different companies or secret intelligence organizations that have been operating for years in secret, you know, either keeping the world mundane, which is a recurring theme, I feel like, in a lot of Ellis' work about the strange hidden beneath the mundane. Um, it was fantastic, whatever. And obviously Angela Spica showing up in the middle of you know, broad daylight in a, on a busy city street, rescuing a guy being pushed out of the window in a, basically an Iron Man suit. You know, that's like, what is this? How is this working? Who did this? And obviously the people behind the scenes know some of the details because you you i mean you find out in the first issue but angela speaker works for one of the organizations that's secretly pulling the strings in you know around the world um so there so now they're like you know it's all like you know who is she why did she do this where did she get the resources you know was she stealing from us other organizations are like you know we want her to research her or we want her to help her um so it's all these you know it's a chess game basically he's setting it up as a chess game and Angela Spica, well, actually, I really don't know chess that well. <laughs> but Angela, I guess, Angela, I guess in this case, Angela Spica is the kim, king. If I can keep on my chess, um, you know, everyone wants to get Angela Spica, and so you, it, it kind of slows down and gives us perspective of these different organizations and gives us little character moments. Um, and of course, uh, like you, you follow up a bit with Deathblow from the first issue because he passes out in the first issue, and this issue we find out that he has an inoperable brain tumor how that leads maybe to him being more of like a super agent. Cause I don't get the vibe that he has superpowers in this one yet, or he has superpowers so far. So the fact that he has an inoperable brain tour might lead there. I also don't know if that was something that was, that was part of his character in his original incarnation. Someone could maybe email us and correct us or I'll look it up. But anyway, <laughs> overall good book, really enjoying it. And of course, in true Ellis fashion, he makes talking about complex ideas and machinations a breeze, and everyone's a dick. So, overall, I like the book. Well, all right. Uh, checking out at the nearest Wildstorm shop near you. That's the thing, right? You can just, like, there's specific shops for comics, right? Comics is big enough of an industry. That they have their own stores. That, yes, like, I yeah. haven't told that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like, if you want to pick up Descender, you go to the Descender shop. Exactly. Specifically, each comic book has their own shop. Right. Yes. yes. Well, I stopped by the American Gods shop to pick up American Gods number one. This is a book that came out last week, but we didn't have a show last week, so it's still fair game. Uh, Now, the original American Gods is a novel written by Neil Gaiman, and this one has been adapted by P. Craig Russell and Scott Hampton. I believe they are the uh, writer and yeah, script and layouts by Pete Craig Russell and art by Scott Hampton. Um, so, for those who are unaware of American Gods, I'm not going to get into all of the spoiler territory that 
I very well could because I've read this book twice. Uh, but this first issue, so what it deals with is a man in prison who gets out early because he finds out something terrible has happened. Uh, and on his way home, he meets a very strange man who calls himself Mr. Wednesday. That is the quick overview of this book. I gave it to you in about three sentences. Uh, this had that all happen in 20 pages. Obviously, it takes a bit more than that in the novel, uh, but novels can be forgiven for that. This issue, though, is so dense. Uh, they are not taking the the um, adaptation approach. They are taking like the strict literal translation approach where they are taking the novel at pretty much word for word and putting it into comic book form, just taking out descriptions, which there's not really a ton of in American Gods. Uh, so there's a lot of like what's going on in people's heads and that is all over this. Uh, I don't know if there are any pages that have less than six panels. And uh, and I've done some looking into, into panel layouts in the past. And one thing I know is that five panel pages are kind of like the, ult the optimal number of panels. They allow for a lot of really creative uh, layouts. And obviously there's going to be times where there's going to be more, there's going to be less. But there is no point in this issue where there are five or less panels they are hmm. trying to do a lot and i don't think they always succeed i think there are definitely things that could have been cut out uh i think there is stuff that very easily could have been translated into adaptation where we get kind of the idea of it more than it literally if I wanted what I was getting from the novel, I would have read the novel. Yeah, it's kind of cool to get some visual representation. Uh, there's not a lot of really crazy stuff happening at this point in the story, though. And the craziest thing that happens, though, is that he speaks to this uh, this buffalo in a well, this man buffalo in a dream. Um, but that's relegated uh, to yeah, yeah, right. That's relegated to like four panels. It happens really, really quickly, uh, and then it's over. And then we have, like, on the next page, I'm, I'm going to count out here. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 panels of him running around an airport trying to find where his plane is. Completely unnecessary. <laughs> uh, the art, I'm not a super big fan of. It's... It almost feels kind of unfinished at times. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 difficult to really explain why. I, you know, I don't want to say this guy has bad art. It's just not the art that I would have chosen. It feels almost a little amateur, in in some ways. And I feel really bad saying that because obviously this is this guy's work. Uh, this is what he does. But it just I don't know. Something about it just feels wrong for this comic. Um. So it's really disappointing for someone who really loves this book to pick this up and uh, and not be super jazzed by what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. When I see like previews for the show and stuff, I get really excited because, hey, this is an interpretation of the story. Yes, there's very obvious changes, but the changes like get me excited. I'm like, cool. 
show me a different way of doing things. Show me how you're going to interpret uh, what, like when I imagine media in th- in the grander story, I had a very specific image in my head. But then when I see media images, uh, images of media and this of Gillian Anderson in uh, like a Marilyn Monroe get up, like that is super different. That's not what I had in mind. That's super cool. I can get into that idea. Uh, this actually, there's times where a few of the characters look like how it feels like they're probably supposed to look in the TV show that's coming up, and that's a bummer. Uh, one thing I'm also confused about is that Shadow, the main character, uh, seems to be black in the comic, which actually leads to a little bit of confusing dialogue between him and one of the guards. Uh, but also because, and this is, this I am going to spoil because it doesn't come out in the book, it's just hinted at, uh, it's that Shadow is the character Balder from Norse mythology. And sort of every god that you meet is uh, sort of has the physical look of people from the country they're from. And I just, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think there's a lot of black people in places where Norse mythology was like a thing. Uh, but again, if I'm wrong, email us at heckyacomics at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> so, but, I, I, but again, in the show, I'm pretty sure he's being played by a black actor, but there, it seems like, I don't know, for for that, it's like, okay, cool. Again, liberties are being taken. We're getting an interpretation of the work. Here is literal translation. And that, like, I don't, I don't want to say that it took everything, uh, it took all of it out for me. But for someone who has read the book and who has this knowledge, that was like a, a moment of pause and questioning. So what I'm probably going to say is if you haven't, if you have read the book, don't bother with this. Uh, maybe more will come out and my opinion will change, but don't bother with this first issue. If you haven't read the book, I'm still not sure I'm going to recommend that you pick this up. Uh, it's a little messy. It's a little bit all over the place. Uh, hopefully, by the time that we get a volume in our hands, it'll have improved, but if this is what we have in store... It might just not be worth it, and that's a bummer to say. How many issues are? Is it? I or I mean, I think it's supposed to be like eight or ten issues or something. I don't remember. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they have a lot to get through, which is why I think again they should have taken some real liberties. There's a lot of time with him in prison in the beginning, uh, but him in prison in the book goes by pretty quick because you have you know a few hundred more pages after that. And they're like really taking their time to like get through these prison bits. Because mm, it's one of those things, especially when I feel like when you're adapting things, you know, whether it's, you know, he's black or not black or that character is supposed to be like described a certain way or not. It's like, especially I think it's the the way that a novel is executed, the way a comic book is executed. It, and I do, they do really do that. They, they have the same pitfalls in movies, especially when they're translating novels is how much time to dedicate to any one particular scene when you think about it in scenes, whereas novels have scenes, but because of the way that they're describing everything, you could have one scene that takes several pages, other scenes that take a half a page, you know, but then they might from translate to a comic, they might take that half page and turn it into several pages or vice versa. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a balancing act that can really mess with the, and I think especially if you're familiar with the original work, it can definitely mess with your perceptions of it. Right, right. And uh, so there's going to be 27 issues. And one thing that I do kind of oh, want to clarify is 
you know, I didn't bring up the, like, him being, you know, him being black in the comic. It was like, that's like, as if that were, like, a bad thing. You know, I'm not, like, one of those people. It's like, I can't identify with a character if they're not of my own race. Um, it just, I don't know. In a book where everything else feels like a literal translation, that felt a little odd to me. Um, and not even in necessarily any negative racial way. I shouldn't have to say that, but I just want to make sure that that is clear. Uh, and just all in all, I have much, much bigger problems with this book. Um, anyway, it's not worth dwelling on. I don't want to dig myself into any holes here. Uh, but I am very excited for uh, end of April for that show to premiere and to see what they, uh, what, what, how that handles things. Ian McShane is awesome. Uh, Jillian Anderson's awesome. Crispin Glover is insane. It should be a good time. Now, Nick and I do not have any mutual stuff to talk about this week. We, Well, I've seen more Iron Fist than he has, but neither of us have finished it, and maybe I'll talk a bit about, uh, more about that next week when I am done with the show and Nick is two episodes in. <laughs> Most likely true. Hey, I actually want to watch it. I sat down... I watched the first episode with Anna and, I, and she, she, and she's a big Iron Fist fan. And, and she was like, I'm not like, and to be fair, she did go into it thinking like, I want this to be, I want this to be a mortal Iron Fist on the screen. It's and not. I went into it knowing it wasn't going to be that way. So I'm watching, it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of like, I'm interested in this. I'm intrigued by the characters. And she's like, no, this is like, the script's bad. This is, this is, is too funny or silly, well, you know, which whatever. But, but I finished the episode, and I was like, all right, well, I kind of want to watch the next one. She's like, no. But then she's like, okay, I'll watch it with you. But no. And I'm like, I, I think if it takes more than another day, I might just sit down and watch a bunch of episodes at once. Yeah, I but, I do have a lot to say on it. I don't want to like just eat up the rest of our time with me talking about it, though. But I very well could. Um, I will say one of the biggest disappointments is the action in this show. And Finn Jones does a, a fine job, but, you know, a, a stuntman, martial artist, he is not. You can tell he learned some stuff for this, but, uh, man, they should have put a mask on him. They should have made it easy to get a stuntman in there. <laughs> interesting, interesting. I'll be curious to see. I'll definitely try to get a few more episodes in before the next show. The fights so that we are can talk slow. about it more in it's depth. Sad. Ugh, it's just you know, you had Daredevil, which set such a high bar for action in these shows. Then you had Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, where those characters aren't billed as expert fighters, but they're built as powerhouses, and there were scenes that showed off their prowess in other ways. And then you have this where it's just like this guy is the best fighter. And he's not. And that is sad. And he's supposed to be the best fighter because he he's fucking freaking sorry. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> you, know, the, um, you know, he he literally has to train his half for almost his entire life, and then he has to fight a dragon. Like, you know, you have to be the best fighter if you're going to go fight a dragon. Yeah. With your fists. Which, yeah, unfortunately, he's not. I was going to say one other thing about. Uh, fighting. Oh, I saw this really great couple of panels uh, from a comic that I'm not sure what it was, but it's uh, it's Spider-Man like sends a web down and grabs Iron Fist and like yanks him up to like punch a villain at the top of the building, and he's like, fist him, 
And to which Iron Fist, like, I hate when people say that as he's, like, going in for the Iron Fist punch. <laughs> That's funny. Show me the panel. I can probably tell you what, what comic then. I'll see if I can dig it up. I saw it on Reddit, uh, but I'll find that post-show. We've got a little bit of time left, so I do want us to actually uh, spend a little bit of time just with a discussion question. Did you think of one? Because I definitely didn't. Other than my train question, which you shot down. Uh, it's real great that you were talking over our bumper for that, but it's fine. The bumper was kind of quiet. So, uh, my discussion question for this week is: I'm gonna throw this link uh, into our show notes, Nick, so you can see it. And I guess I, you know, the let me try to think of a way to word this into a question. Uh, so New York Comic Con has announced that they are not doing weekend passes this year. And there's been rumors floating around that other conventions are thinking of ending the practice. Good idea, bad idea. So I don't go to a lot of conventions. I haven't gone to the Boston Comic Con the last like two, maybe even three years now that I think about it. So the convention scene isn't really my scene. Um uh, do you get a discount if you're buying a weekend pass so compared yeah. to buying it for each day? Yeah, so it would be I'm like, assuming. say it was like $50 a day, and mm-hmm. instead of paying like 150 for all three days, it would be like, uh, it's 125 for a weekend pass. So like it, you were getting like a, you know, a fair deal. It wasn't like you were paying for all three days already, um, but it wasn't necessarily like 50% cheaper than buying three individual passes. I get you. I could see where if, if it's really coming down to, as, as you said, $50 for a day versus 125 for all three days, at least you're saving 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I can see for people that do go to conventions for the entirety of its, of its showing that that could be a blow. I mean, I, on one hand, if you're already spending $125, you know, what, I guess what is $25 more for some? Yeah, that's a big deal for, and I say this as someone who's relatively poor, I, you know, I guess it would be a big deal. But at the same time, I, I barely make it through one day of a convention, let alone going for three days. So unless I was like a major cosplayer and like had a different outfit for each day or something like that, or was like participating in the show. I mean, I show up, I usually try to find one artist that I can get to early enough to have them design, do a, a commission for me, and then I buy comic books that I don't read, and they end up on a shelf, <laughs> you know, and I kind of walk around like, oh, that's cool, let's take a picture here, but it's usually overstuffed, people stopping every five seconds to take a photo of someone right in front of you, you know, I, I guess I should only speak, and, I'm, and this is, isn't me trying to speak poorly at Boston Comic Con, the I started going to that show from its very first time where it was like a freaking the basement of a hotel, you know, mm. to where it's actually like a pretty big scene now, in, you know, every summer in Boston um, before I stopped going, at least. And, you know, it's a cool show. It's set, as far as I can tell, it's up very well. I don't have a lot to compare it to. Um, but I mean, for me and my interests, I can I, you know, like whatever. I'm just going to go for one day. So this kind of news like this. If it did carry over to other shows, even Boston Comic Con, if I were to go, personal opinion doesn't hurt me very much. It's it's kind of whatever. But for people that maybe would benefit from it or that want to go to all three days, and that twenty five dollars can make a huge again using our one hundred and fifty 
analogy or reference. Right. You know, well, you, it, you I also, can see how that could hurt. You also have to think of like the people, there are people who travel from out of town who are going to get a hotel room and have to buy food for the entire time that they're there. And so for them, like any sort of cost-saving measure really kind of is a big deal, even if it is just $25, probably more or less, depending on the convention. Uh, it's... Yeah, it's just kind of like a, a knife to the gut. Also, it's like, hey, if you if you're coming from out of town, uh, you better make sure that you buy all three of your passes at once. Because like, if you just buy like Friday and Saturday, I'll be in by that Sunday pass. Well, that's too bad. You're and you know, there's other stuff to do. There is still plenty of stuff going on. I haven't been to a convention in a very very long time either, uh, and I wasn't necessarily going to comic conventions. I was going to anime conventions back in the day because that's what I was more into when that was a part of my life. Uh, I would not be opposed to going to more conventions. I just don't have the opportunity to at this juncture in my life. Uh, neither here nor there. I don't. I I think this. I I think it's it would ultimately be a dick move, but I don't think it would ca- hurt them as much as would need to be necessary for them to reverse the change. Yeah. Yeah. Feels, yeah. Yeah, I I just think I think ultimately it would be a bad idea for the fans, uh but for their profits it's totally awesome. And we're always on the side of big business. Right. I love it. Yeah, corporations are corporations are people. Yeah. Uh, which is why I'm so mad at Sony. Let's let's do a check right now. I'm going to pull up my email right now. Let's see if that email has arrived. Since seven o'clock this evening, uh, it is currently eleven thirty. For those wondering the time, the difference in time, and nope, email still has not arrived. Have you checked your spam? I'm gonna check it. It's not gonna be there. I'm gonna check it though, because you told me it's so junk email. Nothing there. Uh, let me open up my actual spam because I, when do I ever do that? What the crap? <laughs> what? Is it in there? I'm so angry. <laughs> I'm so angry because oh, every man. other change your password email comes directly into my email box. Why would this go into my spam? Why would I do that? <laughs> I, I literally work with email all day. So I, do I. I. And I tell people, and I tell no, people, check your spam you folders. Work, you work with email. Yeah, I know. I, my business is email. Yep. Yep, I check people and all the I time. I tell people junk every junk day. All the time. <laughs> this is the best possible solution to this. This is the, this is the best hey, way you know for what? this podcast you to know end. What? Podcast is ending on a happy note, David. I don't even think ending we can do recommendations a... after this. <laughs> That's fair because I've been spending all my time playing Final Fantasy fourteen. and um, I mean, I'm really close to finishing the final. Um, or the I'm um, getting close to the end dun- end game dungeon. I don't know all the terminology for like the first expansion. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I have a pretty good idea of how the game works, and I'm I'm loving it. But um, because of that, I don't have like a comic book to recommend. Well, yeah, we recommend other stuff besides comic books, Nick. Jeez. Fine. Okay. Fine. David, listen. Do the recommendation sound effect. You boys aren't nerds, are you? Go ahead. I am going to recommend Final Fantasy XIV because screw you, David. And cool. um, 
I'm recommending it because it turns out I have a bit more free time now when it comes to utilizing my time and clearly doing healthy things like learning how to cook different meals or going to the gym uh, are too arduous. So instead, I sit down and every night I do a dungeon and I progress my character and I'm almost to level 50 and I'm super excited. This is my first foray into MMOs um, and it can be a time suck. I would say that I'm surprised that, you know, I maybe play an hour or two at most. And I've been, I've been in the, the 30 day, in this, I, maybe it's the same for most MMOs, but there's that like, yes, you pay for the game. I got it on discount while it was on the PlayStation store. Um, and, um, but you do have to pay like a monthly subscription fee. I've been within the 30 day period uh, 30 day free trial period as far as the subscription goes and i think i have two days left and i'm like at level 57 so i mean it's the kind of thing where depending on how much time you can really sink into it you really can progress through it relatively quickly i will say i sometimes feel like the dialogue and the character exchanges were written by like college kids like they're all trying to speak in like high english or whatever or at least that's the way it was translated so they'll say things like instead of any way, they say any road, you know, and I'm, it's just, it's kind of like what? slightly an annoying um, inflections like that. But so that I will admit that there are certain times where I might be like burning through the dialogue because I'll like read a gist of it. And then they spend like three cycles just kind of repeating themselves in different Shakespearean ways. Um, but when it actually gets to like an um, uh, impactful like cutscene moment, you know, you definitely pay attention to that. You read it. And now that I've gone a little bit deeper into the first expansion, actually, I'm actually pretty close to the end of the expansion, um, the story's really ratcheted up and some interesting things are happening. And it's, if you're a fan of Final Fantasy, this is a game that's it's really its own world, but it definitely pays a lot of service to, you know, popular elements of the show, whether it be things like things you'd expect, like Chocobos or Moogles, to like having, you know, the different summons, or like weapons or, or outfits or or character names. Like of course there's a Sid. Um, it's just overall a very fun experience. But um, I and I feel like for me the way that I my intention of playing is I'm not going to be like I feel like I'm going to get through the story and I might do like occasional dungeons here or there. But there'll probably be periods where I expect to like discontinue the subscription service to obviously focus on other things and then come back to it. If there's like a story expansion, because usually when it comes to video games, uh, the story is what I'm there for as much as the, you know, the gameplay, but long story short, if you have the time to dedicate to an MMO uh, and maybe you don't really care for the elements or the aesthetics of things like world of Warcraft or something, definitely check out final fantasy 14, just because it says 14 does not mean they have to play one through 13 uh, it's its own beast. Check it out. There you go. Well, that was unexpected. Uh, my much shorter recommendation is uh, that Boom Studios released the first volume of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series that is currently running over there. Uh, that is a book that I think really does a great expansion and interpretation. Now, true, they are kind of building stuff from whole cloth, so it's not a direct comparison to American Gods, but they are taking an existing property and expanding upon it and doing really interesting stuff with it. So I think people should check that out. First volume of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from Boom Studios. 
Thank you, everybody, for checking out the show. You can always find out more about us over at heckyeahcomics.com. And, of course, as we mentioned earlier, please send us an email, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. And uh, you can also reach us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram at davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. And you can find Nick in the junk folder of your email. (laughs) (laughs) And, as always, you can find us here next week. Same heck yeah time. Same heck yeah channel. Until then, goodbye. Worst episode ever.